I don't know why the laughter lasts longer than the applause. Stronger, too. Yeah, it's, and it sticks out a little further. Welcome. Welcome. To the 2x2 two two Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm Harold. And we have a special, special guest. This is Brother Ray. He has been preaching our revival this week and doing a fantastic job. And uh, welcome, w- Brother Ray. Yep. Thank you. Thank it's you. going to be awesome. We're going to still two by two, or we're going to call it three by. We can go two by two, but we can go. Well, well, I mean, it'd have to be three by three. Three by three. Well, with my size, we ought to be four by four. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. So, uh, we are from Burlington Baptist Church. And uh, we are brought to you today by a host of wonderful sponsors. First is CrossFit Northern Kentucky, uh, our buddies over there behind uh, uh, Tractor Supply. Man, they had a group of, of folks there had COVID, and uh, they are all, all good. Oh, good. From uh, Yeah, so everybody has recovered. And uh, my buddy Andrew, who is one of the owners, was sitting in his driveway in an uh, RV. So they looked like uh, Cousin Eddie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the kids and Kendra were in the house, and he was out in the RV. So I think Tina went by and talked to Kendra through the window. She was getting pretty bored. And then we have our friends at Kentucky Olive, purveyors of. Put that microphone in your face. Purveyors of Kentucky Olive, purveyors of. Fine oils. And balsamics. And balsamics. That's at right. new location on 42. Yep. And uh, they got a lot going on. We'll get to a little bit of that. But uh, they got a lot going on. They're moving, and Tanya's got a new. A new accessory. A new, a new Tom's, yeah, yep. Tom's, getting, Tom's getting his leg worked on. They're moving Sam. So a lot of stuff going on there. And Tattoo Tina's, uh, the only tattoo shop to sponsor a church podcast as far as we know. So she is the one and only. Also my wife. Also very beautiful. And <laughs> uh, Serious Archery Products and Tough Head Broadheads, making you more lethal. That is their slogan. And we're going to find that out because on September 18th, I'm taking a bunch of those products out to... Uh, Colorado. Yeah. And it's we'll not going to be hard to be more lethal than we were last year, actually. If I just kill a plant, yep. we will have killed more than we killed last year. And Steak and Shake. My brother Michael Steak and Shake, uh, who is the most energetic and uh, uplifting person yeah. ever. And we love him. And we love his food, especially. And our friends at Answers in Genesis. Answers in Genesis. Yep. So... um well, let's pray. Let's you pray. want to pray us in? Yep. Yeah. Lord, thank you for the few minutes we have today, and uh, thank you for Brother Ray and uh, just uh, the blessing that he has been this week, and he has uh, divided your word in Romans and really lifted up uh, your grace, the gift of Jesus, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his salvation that's available through thank faith. You, and uh, we pray you bless this time. Lord, we pray for the listeners today yes. that uh, they might hear your word and your invitation to repent and believe and, and maybe someone to be saved. And we would praise you for that. Amen. And so bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So Brother Ray, let's tell us a little bit before we get into your sermon and the topic of your sermon and some questions that I have and, and uh, things like that. Um, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, I'm, I'm. first of all, let me say thank you, Danny, for being here with you guys today. And um, I'm not sure what to expect in these moments together, but I'm confident that the God who saves us is a sovereign God, so he knew what was going on. Amen. And uh, grateful for the work of grace that God actually uh, initiated in my heart at the age of 17 years old. I'm actually a Cleveland born, outside of Cleveland, a resident of, uh, of uh, Chardon, Ohio, and okay. God just allowed us to grow up. But I didn't come to faith in Christ until I was 17 years old. 
I was a religious person, but I wasn't a saved person. Gotcha. And uh, Christ literally transformed my heart and life, confirmed a call to preach. I began to pastor when I was 19 years old. I'm 60 years old today. Uh, not today, but now, but uh, I will be in a few days. So if you've got a present you want to send, I'll give you my address. <laughs> uh, it'll be available for you. But, uh, but God has been so gracious. And in those years, uh, God, uh, there's probably only one woman more attractive than yours, and that's my wife. <laughs> and uh, God gave me a beautiful, beautiful wife. Linda's her name. Gave us two wonderful sons, three great grandchildren. So we're 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 thoroughly blessed. Awesome. God's allowed us to pastor. Um, I pastored a church in a region of Virginia called Keoki. Mm -hmm. It was Rawhide Baptist Church, and the principal member was Maud Barker. And <laughs> you can't you can't script that any no. better than that. That's good. <laughs> Sound like something off that old that TV show with based down in Harlan down there. But, uh, <laughs> well, well, what that's was awesome. interesting? I was a I was a junior in high school on a school bus. We were going to play the baseball team of Kiyoki. and when we passed that church, I got that the name of that church just caught me off guard, Rawhide. Yeah. And so I made fun of it, and the Lord always has the last Absolutely. laugh on that stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. And so the Lord made me pastor of that church for about six years. Nice. And then that's we we fun. settled in, and we've been in Glasgow, Kentucky at Coral Hill Baptist Church for 35 years. Awesome. I'm grateful for a good ministry that God's given us That's there. a really long time. That, you know, by today's standards especially, that's awesome. Well, when you that's owe awesome. people money and you tell them that you're not going to go to work if they fire you, okay. they, <laughs> they, they hold on to you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, let's let's dip into your sermon uh, a little bit. Well, your your series of sermons. And then I have a question uh, that I just got to thinking and, and – uh, I, uh, you know, I, I have taken a lot of college courses as of recent, and one of them was, what is the gospel? What is the definition? And, and one of the things I think that it really focused on is when, when we tell people about Jesus, you say to them, you know, you know, Christ died on the cross for your sin. And sometimes we leave out the fact that the more important part was he was resurrected and he, right. he beat death. So can you give uh, the listeners just a definition of what you think, a good definition of the gospel? Yeah, that's, that's a really great question to begin because unless we understand the gospel, the Bible says the gospel is the power of God into salvation to everyone who believes. And if I don't understand the gospel, then, then I don't understand salvation, right. Right? right? And so we know that at the core of the gospel is the story of Christ. We know the story that he uh, lived a perfect life. He died a sacrificial death. He was buried and rose again from the dead. And if you ask the majority of people, do you believe in Jesus, they, they simply uh, will quickly acknowledge, yes, I do believe in him. Yeah. But the word, what kind of Jesus do you believe in? So when you're talking about the gospel, certainly you're talking about, about the core of the gospel, about Christ and who he is and what he's done. But it's really more than just understanding the story of who Jesus is and what he's done. Amen. It's understanding my need for the gospel. Right. And um, most folks think that they need the gospel um, or need salvation from a particular sin in their life. Danny, one of the most startling revelations for me in my journey was that God had to show me that I just didn't have some sin in my life. Right. But I was thoroughly sinful. Absolutely. And uh, Paul would say, "In this flesh, there dwells no good thing." Right. And someone said, "You'll never know. You'll never know the need for grace until you understand the depth of your guilt." Right. And the man that doesn't see himself as a guilty, wretched sinner doesn't pursue salvation. Right. And uh, it's optional to him. Mm -hmm. But for me, God brought me to a place where he, he revealed to me that I was sinful in my thinking, in my motives, my actions, 
everything about me. It didn't mean I wasn't a good son or a good right. husband or a good friend. It just, all of that was tainted by this thing called sin. Right. And so what the gospel is, the gospel is good news, yep. but it's only good news if you understand the bad news, right. right? Right. And so when I understand my spiritual condition as a sinner separated from God, incapable of saving myself, then the gospel becomes good news for me. And this is a side note. Something I thought was interesting is you're preaching out of the part of Romans that Martin Luther struggled with so badly, right? Right. And I mean, it was one of those things where he was so convicted that he couldn't do anything about his sin where he finally realized what you're talking about is I can't do anything about this. I, I have to have Jesus Christ. I can't, I can't work my way through this. I can't law my way through this. So it's, I always thought, I think that's kind of interesting. Um, it, it's really good about Martin Luther because when you study him, it was actually chapter 1, verse 16, verse 17 yes. that convicted his heart. Right. Because as a, as a Roman Catholic monk dedicated, he never intended to begin a reformation. Right. He wanted to reform the church. But God had brought him to a place that he would spend, for example, he would spend six hours in confession. Yes. You know? Yeah, just, just beside himself, just confessing and confessing. He and couldn't get beyond the depth of his sin, right. and so he constantly tried to do things in order to merit salvation. Right. And no matter what he did, he could never be freed from that until God finally revealed to him that it was justification by faith in Christ alone. And when that realization, and that's a truth the Holy Spirit has to bring to your realization. Right. And man, when that opened up, it was as if he said paradise opened up before sure, him. Sure. There was a recognition of that. So that's Tuesday night at Revival, right? <laughs> tonight. Preview for tonight. Yeah. yeah. We are. Sorry, We're I didn't mean to skip ahead. I didn't no, mean to skip good. ahead. But uh, well, let, well, let's talk about... Um, Real quick, because I like to go back through this, and, and there's one part of your sermon, I think, last night that I, I was hoping everybody in my Sunday school class was listening to, but um, uh, let's talk a little bit about the church in Rome, what Paul's doing, what what the purpose of the letter is, and, and, and just basically, I mean, this is the book that started the church that, as we know it, really. I mean, it, besides Acts, and, and but, but Paul kind of fostering this church and, and, and setting us up. Talk to me a little bit about what's going on. Yeah, it's interesting in the formation of just the construction of the canon of Scripture. Um, while Romans is not the first book that Paul wrote, right. um, it is placed first in the letters that are credited to him. Right. So while he's credited with 13 letters of the New Testament, Romans is, is, is purposely placed right after the book of Acts, because it places and, and provides the foundation uh, of doctrinal truths on which the church is based and built. Right. And so the gospel is primary to that. What's important to remember is that the, the Roman Empire during the days of Jesus, and particularly during the days of Paul, were as wicked, if not more wicked, than our day. Mm -hmm. We often are critical of our current government, right. and I think it's justified that that we should be certainly the moral conscience of a nation. And uh, But at the same time, we look at the trajectory of our nation and see that there are plenty of areas in our nation where we have deviated from God's Word. Absolutely. Whether it's the LGBTQ plus community, whether it's divorce, whether it's just a variety of issues, even abortion, those issues that are trigger issues a lot of times <clears throat> for us who are in the church, it would be important for us to remember that those issues were issues even in the first century. Sure, sure. And even in those issues, we are often attacking issues instead of dealing with the hearts of people. Yep. And yep. we just we just keep trying to put out fires instead of trying to deal with the real issue. Yep. And the issue aren't these aren't they're significant I mean, issues, yes, and worthy people are worthy of respect, but 
we, we're talking at people instead of talking to people. Sure. Right. And unless you talk to the core of where a person is at, they'll never understand the need for the gospel. And so Paul comes along in an empire that is anti-Christian. They are anti-God. Mm-hmm. They're 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 not anti-gods. Right. 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 <clears throat> There's plenty of gods for everybody. Right. But for the Christians to come along, they had the audacity to say that Jesus is the only true God, and every other god is a false god. Right. That doesn't brood well. <laughs> well, you know, and 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 and. They were extremely tolerant of the Jews, yes. right? Because the Jews kept to themselves. They said, "Well, the Jewish people are just harboring Jewish people. They're not. They're not infiltrating what we know as our social structure and things like that." Christianity was completely different. They're, yes. they're going after these people. They're going after these. They don't care who you are, right? Within the Christian context or the Jewish context, the Rome would allow you to be an established religion um, if they recognized you right. as an established religion. Right. They didn't embrace Judaism, that, right. but they recognized it as an established religion. And initially, Rome considered Christianity to be an offshoot right. Right, right. of Judaism. Which is so technically they just, true. They, they thought it was just <laughs> simply a branch. But when Paul continued to proclaim that, that in Christ you are neither Jew or Gentile, but a new man, this this was the revelation right. that this man, Jesus Christ, was not only a Jewish rabbi, but he is Messiah and he is God and he is Lord. Well, in a context where everybody was required to say Caesar is Lord, right. he was coming along saying Jesus, Jesus. is Lord. Right. And thereby it became, uh, it became the course of persecution that yep. would attack the church for the next 300 years. Right, right. So did you want to ask your, uh, is it a good time to ask your your question yeah, well, so, about his illustration uh yeah so sunday maybe morning uh ray gave an illustration about a mirror and in in regards to the law <laughs> are you are you doing this just to he'll pick on my hair again yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that, that, that'll have to come into play <laughs> but I, I thought it was a perfect illustration because you know we got all these chapters with a whole lot of instructions and yet th- these won't keep, these won't save you uh, and so some people be like, well, why, why do we got all that for? Right. And I thought that was just a super, so maybe you could kind of explain the, what a mirror does and what the law does. And right. And, and you're referring of course, to the old Testament, right? <clears throat> the 39 books of the old Testament, are just saturated with the law, saturated yeah. with pictures of the laws and regulations of do's and don'ts. Mm-hmm. And the part of the law that we're the most familiar with is the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments, right. right? And we honor the God and we're to keep his, not take his name in vain and that whole listing through there. And there is a supposition of people that if they were able to keep the Ten Commandments, that they would somehow earn or deserve the favor of God. Right. They'll often say, well, I haven't killed anybody and I don't do anything that bad. And uh, But the law, God gave us the law to reveal to us how deep our sin really is. And uh, what I mean by that in the illustration that Harold has just referred to is that a mirror is an important an important thing in our lives. We're grateful to have it. For most although, although, although I know that you don't often don't. use a mirror by uh, <laughs> your hair looks uh, at the, just a few days that I've met you. And, uh, uh, but a mirror is an important thing because yep. it reveals to you whether you've got uh, your hairs out of place, whether there's a pimple on your face, whether your mascara is running. It has the ability to reveal, but it doesn't have the ability to remove. Right. It's interesting when you study the Old Testament that um, that the the blood of bulls and goats, the gallons and gallons of blood that was shed, was used to cover the sins of of, of man, right. and it would cover that sin, but it could never take away that sin. 
And so it was something that had to be done year after year after year after year, animal sacrifices, slaughtering year after year, until Jesus arrives on the scene. And his cousin John the Baptist, getting ready to baptize him, says, Behold the Lamb of God that doesn't cover, but that takes takes away away the sin of the world, which speaks of the potency of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, awesome. And so the Old Testament has the purpose, it is a schoolmaster. It's teaching us something. It's not only teaching us something about the holiness of God, but it's also teaching us about the sinfulness of man. Right. And it reveals to us how deeply and how desperately we need the gospel. Because of all those laws that God has given us, I'm not too good at keeping those laws. No, I can't keep them in the power of the flesh, right. but I can keep them in the power of grace. Yeah. We, you know, we've talked on here before, Harold and I have mentioned this, and, I, and one of the things I like to do when, when people kind of will talk to me and say, what do I got to do to get to heaven? I said, we got to be perfect. You know, they, they kind of sit back and they go, what do you mean? I was like, well, you got to be perfect. God can't be around any sin, no sin. Well, how do you expect me to do that? I said, because Jesus Christ makes me perfect. Right. And let me tell you how. You know, and it's one of those things where you kind of, once you understand, for me, once I understood that, he doesn't just cover me. He removes. Yeah. So when God looks at me, he just sees a picture of Jesus. Yeah. Right. Um, that's, that's amazing because I, I'm glad he can't see, you know, the me that's me. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and I think that's an important thing as we, as we go through. And, and that's kind of been a topic of, of your, you know, of your, of the sermons that you've done three so far. And uh, you'll be done with the fourth one when this one airs, by the right. way. But uh well, let me just speak to the tonight's message, and I know this will be post by the time this, this is uh, broadcast. <clears throat> We're going to be speaking tonight specifically about a Bible word called uh, a word that is imputed. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a significant word. Right. Um, those who are of the Roman Catholic theology or doctrine look at grace as grace that has been imparted. Mm-hmm. That, that means that uh, in Roman Catholic theology, grace is received over and over and over again, hence the Mass the need for the sacraments, those right. graces are given to you incrementally, and you've got to keep that up. Right. You've got to keep all that up in order to stay up, because if you die without having uh, the full range of imparted grace, well, then you might have to spend a season in purgatory. Right. You might have to pay for those sins and have them purged. But in the Reformation, the revelation that Luther had was that grace was not imparted, but rather grace was imputed. Right. You don't fall out of it. Right. Right. The imputation of grace means that God gave us in its totality all the righteousness of Christ, which means that at salvation, there's a divine exchange that takes place. I give to Jesus all my sin, mm-hmm. and he gives to me all his righteousness. Right, and there is right. this imputation. It's, the word impute means to charge to one's account. And so it was credited to Jesus my sin, therefore he dies, because the wage of sin is death. Right. Yeah. But his righteousness is credited to me, whereby now I have life in Christ and by him. And, and, and back to the, the gospel kind of conversation is I listened to uh, a, a podcast where, and they were kind of talking about this. And, and I think something that, that is lost sometimes, and even with believers is not only did he die and did he have physical suffering, which you talked about, but he took hell for me, right? He didn't, <laughs> the weight of that, sometimes I lose, right? Yeah. He, he took hell for me. Yeah. So I don't have to go there. Yeah. The Bible says he became sin. Right. He just didn't take my right. sin. He became sin for me. Yep. 
Man, right. I, that's and I, you know it's hard for us to imagine this, but Jesus became the adulterer. He right. became the homosexual. Right. He became the self righteous Pharisee. He became those things on our behalf. And you know, and I think about the, the and again, we're kind of skipping around, which we do on this podcast from time <laughs> to time. But you know, the the three times that he prayed in, in the garden, I, I feel like you know, and it doesn't say specifically when he says, you know, if you'll take this from me, I'm not necessarily sure that it that, that it was the beating. And the crucifixion, it's sure. the it's the becoming the sure. sin that he's never done and, and taken hell. I mean, that's just, yeah, when let you me think go, about it. Let me go a little bit step further with that, too, because I, I read this some time ago, that the Father and the Son had an eternal relationship, right. an eternal fellowship. And there had never been a time in eternity where the Father and the Son had never had this communion with one another. Right. But when Jesus takes the cup of sin and presses and becomes sin for us, Completely separated. for the first time, he looks into heaven, he repeats a Psalm 22, verse 1, mm-hmm. says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My supposition is the agony of the garden was not that Jesus dreaded. He certainly despised the shame. Hebrews tells us sure, that. Sure. He didn't look forward to the pain and the nails. And we make we sometimes accentuate the physical sure. suffering of Christ. And that's certainly articulated and pictured in the passion of the Christ beautifully. Right. But the reality, I think what really brought the greatest agony to the heart of Jesus is that he knew that the second he became sin, he would be separated from the Father. And, and we talk, you know, in Sunday school, we had this a, a similar conversation where I said, you know, hell is being completely removed from God, right? Whatever that looks like, I don't know, right? I, I, and thank, I, I'll never know, luckily, you know, for, for me and, and thankfully. But but that's a place where, you know, he's, he's, you're completely separated from him, which was what Jesus was going to be, you know, in that time, which is, you know, I just don't even like to even think about it, to be honest with you. But well, let me press that theologically just a little yeah. bit, because if the scriptures teach that God is omnipresent, right. that he's everywhere at all times, then that must also mean that he is in hell. So let me let me kind of clarify that, at least in my thinking. Sure. And that is the presence of God in hell that is manifested is the wrath of God. Right. His wrath is manifested in hell. Right. It's a righteous wrath, mm-hmm. and there's nobody in hell that will not deserve to be there. All of us would deserve to be there as sure. well had it not been for grace. Absolutely. We would deserve that Absolutely. place as well. So it's no boast and brag on our behalf. We, right. we Our only sure. boast is in the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. And yet we find that the wrath of God, for example, God's presence is at the local bar. It, it's at sure. the local bar, but he, he's not acknowledged. He's not worshipped. He's not celebrated. So while his presence is there, the manifest presence of his glory is not there. Gotcha. And so even in hell, God's presence, if he is everywhere at all times, it's his wrath, his presence of his wrath is there. Right. That's good. And and not that he's not there, but, but that... but. The person that has gone there is just removed from that grace and that yes. and that favor and that and I just I don't even again I don't like to like think about it yeah it just yeah. You and know, that becomes heavy me in the death. conversation sure. sure you know because I, I I don't know if the podcast the Lord's purpose because when we begin to think about hell it, it's it's hard to articulate right. that this Danny somebody helped me understand this a little bit because someone said just talking about hell and boy what a, I didn't expect this conversation <laughs> at all but uh, but they said how could god how could god consign someone to an eternal hell 
who lived 70 years, which is a blip on the radar of eternity, how could a just God send someone to an eternal hell? Well, we've got to remember that when we when we commit a crime, who we commit the crime against matters. Let me explain what I mean. If Harold and I got in a fight today, and I were just out of the blue to punch him mm-hmm. in the face, he would have a right to have me arrested or bring charges against me. And the judge would consider the circumstances, and because it was he and I, he would assess me a fine, right? right. But let's say that instead of punching him in the face, I punched one of the ladies on staff here. Oh, yeah. Or even worse, punched a baby in the face. Oh, yeah. If I punched a baby in the face for no reason, then the judge would consider that an even worse crime. Sure. I did the same action. How come, how come sinners are going to be consigned to an eternity in hell? Because my sin is against an eternal God. Right. It's against an eternal God. Who you sin against matters. Right. Right? right. If you and right. I sin against one another, it's man to man. We're both sinners. We're both fallible. Right. But when I sin against a holy God, my my condemnation is just. Nice. And what I need is grace nice. to get out of that. Yeah. I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Well, Ray, I mean, you got one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one I want to get to, but you, you absolutely you go. Yeah. Well, just I've heard your heart just really for those who would, you know, I I did that. I went to Bible school or I prayed the prayer. And uh, you've really hit home that if you're saved, there's something different in you. Would you speak to that for just a moment? Yeah. I'm sure you've heard that over the years. And- you know, there's two things I say in that respect. I certainly believe that children can be saved. I certainly believe sure. that. I believe God honors that childlike faith. But with faith has also got to come repentance and understanding what I'm repenting from. God is not waiting for me to say a prayer. He's waiting for me to demonstrate faith in him and in the promise of his word. And there's a lot of folks who have made an initial profession. They were sincere and they were serious, but there was no transformation. The, the, the theologians would use a word regeneration, which means there's a, there's a work that God does in the human heart that changes. Now, before we got on the air, Danny, you and I were speaking just a little bit about that passage in Romans. Yeah. Because Romans comes <laughs> along in chapter 6 and 7, yeah. and he talks about Paul's struggle with, okay, that if I'm saved, if I'm righteous, right. if I belong to the Lord, then why do I keep sinning? Right. <laughs> right. In a fancy, well, in a way, way more difficult way, he said, I, I can't stop doing it. I yeah. can't stop doing it. Yeah. I want to so bad, yeah. you know, but I can't. Yeah. I wish I had a ready answer for yeah. that. Yep. But I can say this salvation is not does not keep me from ever sinning again right but what it does it puts within me a desire for righteousness i desired before i got saved i lived for me Mm -hmm. i was the primary center of my universe but when christ came into my heart my want to changed i want to live for christ do i always live for christ do i sometimes live for selfish reasons absolutely they asked my wife for example do you ever wake up grouchy she said no i let him sleep as long as he wants to sleep and so i'm just like anybody else i wrestle with the flesh and so in that respect i want to be real careful in my condemnation of sinners sure I don't want to point an accusing finger because men are lost because they don't understand their lostness. But at the same time, we who are now saved, the lights come on. Mm -hmm. When I sinned, when, when I was lost, I did so in ignorance. But now when I sin, I sin with the Holy Spirit putting a bell in my soul saying, this is, you ought not to do this. There's been a change in my understanding. There's a change in my life, but it's not perfect yet. I'm still in process. Well, and, and, and one of the things that, that I thought of is, 
is as men and and I think going when we went through revelation was one of those things where it continually kind of popped up is is man will Jesus is the center of the believer's universe and, and even a believer will from time to time try to pull him off there and stick something else in his place right yeah. um money or, or guitars for yeah, yeah right self <laughs> uh, you know or you'll you'll put something there that's our, that's our human nature and, right. and 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 what we struggle against is keeping him there it's me as a believer. I struggle by keeping him there and that's where he's supposed to be. But that's the conscience that I have now is when I, you know, before when I would do something, I'd go, eh, I'm not really hurting anybody. Yeah. Right. I'm not really hurting anybody. And that, but now, you know, the Holy Spirit's like, Hey, you're, you're hurting me up here, you know? Yeah. And that's, and that's a, and like when you said the other day, you are more aware of your sin now and you feel like you, you're more a, a conscious of your sin now as a believer for however many, I think you said 30, 40 years, or, yeah. you know, now than you were before. That's, I think that's how you, uh, that's a good thing. Well, that an illustration that actually comes from one of the popes uh, made an illustration that when you're in the car and you're driving away from the sun and you know, the sun's setting, but you're driving mm-hmm. away from it, your windshield looks fine. Right. But when you turn the car toward the sun, <laughs> all that imperfection and all those right. bugs and all the right. dirt and all that film becomes accentuated. Yep. And when you're moving toward Christ, it begins to accentuate the sin or the dirt that's within your life. And so when we get to Romans chapter 8, Paul has wrestled, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this present body of death? Romans 8 begins to tell us that the process by which God uses to make us like his son is an ongoing thing. So here's what I've learned, Dan. Here's what I've learned, Harold. I want to be patient with people. Mm -hmm. They're not completely there, and I'm not completely there. But I know one thing. God started a work in me when I was 17, and God is still working in me. Here I am 40-plus years later. Now, the one thing that the, the one thing I told you that I was hoping that everyone in my Sunday school class listened to, or was, it was at least there to listen to, is when you talked about the entirety of the book of the Bible, how it starts off. You know, I, I don't know how many times in a Sunday school class it has come up that, hey, the God of the Old Testament seems so different than the God we know in the New Testament. And I said, well, there's two reasons for that. Number one, it, he, he is getting his messiah delivered through a group of people who are continually turning against him right i mean so you, you, he gives them an inch they take you know they take and flip everything around right. moses is gone for five minutes they're 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 melting gold making a cow you know one of these things and i said and now you have jesus and the holy spirit in the new tip but 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 your explanation of the bible being a whole story i mean when you get into the old testament how many pictures of of, of christophany and how many um, visualizations of Christ on the cross there are, you realize yeah. it's like this is a means to an end and the end being Jesus. Can you yeah. go into that a little bit? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting, it's a false dichotomy to think that the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament right. because Jesus, who is God, is the same yesterday, today, yeah. and forever, yeah. right? And uh, I can probably liken that to the fact of my own parents. My dad growing up was a strong disciplinarian. Yeah. And uh, he disciplined us. But when I became a man and I moved out and began to live my own life, I was still the son of my father. Mm -hmm. And he was still the same man he was always had. But the relationship changed. Right. 
right? Right. And so when we're living under the law, we begin to, we sense that God is a strict God. And he is because he's trying to train us and teach us. But when we experience grace, the dimension of that relationship shifts. So what God does in the Old Testament, and I love this, it's interesting of all the Bible college that I've had, uh, the the classes that I've learned the most in were, were the Old Testament classes. I, I love them. Yeah. And, but it was the classes that my, my grade didn't reflect that. It was the, <laughs> it was the worst grades that right. I had. But I learned more from those professors because I began to understand that the purpose of the Old Testament was to prepare us and point to a coming Messiah. Yes. And it comes back to the question of the gospel. Right. The Old Testament is preparatory in that it reminds us why we need a Savior. Sure. Well, I mean, from Genesis 3.15, right? The first mention of Christ and, and, and understanding that, that when man sinned, God had something prepared already. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And and I mean, and from then on, you see him preparing his people for this guy, for, you know, for, for the gift that he's going to give us, which is awesome. So yeah, when, when, when you, when you were talking about it, I was like, oh man, I hope everybody in my class is listening to this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got anything else over there? No, I mean, we could do this all day. Yeah, we could. uh, It's rich and uh, we appreciate you this week coming and just really just a clear gospel. And, uh, you know, I, as a pastor, I, I appreciate that. Uh, you, we want people to really get a hold of the gospel. And there's a there's a whole Bible full of stuff. But nothing is more important than understanding the gospel for people to be saved and uh, uh, not just going through some motions, but a but a response that is there's transformation. Uh, you desire the things of God. I, I mean, you. And I think it was last night a quote about you know a gospel that won't get you to church. Why would you trust that to get you to have that? What yeah. was that? Was that yeah, D.L. Moody. Moody. Yeah, D.L. Moody made the observation that if you have a religion a that religion. can't get you to church, why do you think it'd get you to heaven? Yeah. That's pretty good. And that's yeah. a powerful little that statement. I do want to say, just as we come to a close, um, unsolicited, um, there's been such a great blessing to be a part of Burlington in these days, Burlington Baptist Church. And uh, my, my friendship with Harold is a short friendship of about two years or so, and just an immediate friendship with Danny and with the praise team and the people that make up this congregation. I am going to make an assumption that it's like any congregation. It's not without its flaws or its struggles. Uh, but I really believe Jesus is exalted here. I really believe that Christ is exalted. His word is honored. And if he is lifted up, yep. he draws yep. all men unto himself. Yep. Yeah. You know, and we try, we, you know, we talk all the time about, let's just, he's doing something here. So let's try not to get in the way yeah, you know, amen. <laughs> amen. of what he's got going. Yeah. Let's just try to, you know, and, and try to focus everything kingdom wise. And he's been, I mean, you know, I, 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 I give him a hard time all the time. He gives me a hard time back. But I mean, I, I think if you, if you don't understand, if you go to our church and you don't understand that God's God's plan was to get him here before we started this pandemic stuff so that we could get through it together. Yeah. I mean, That's I, good. That's good. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things is as you kind of look back at it and I, and, and I tell him sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll talk to people from other churches as they come through the barbershop or I meet them places and they're like, you know, man, just, uh, wait a minute, you got a barbershop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, uh, no, the, the pandemic, you know, they'll go, the pandemic has just killed us. And they're like, how are you guys doing? I'm like, Oh, we're doing really well. Great. 
you know, and it's you, you kind of feel bad, but but I mean, I think it's just one of those things where you know everybody did it prayerfully and everybody did what they what they could, and you know he came in and all of a sudden it's like, hey, welcome welcome aboard. We're about to close down and go all online. And <laughs> Lord's faithful. Well, you know, there's a passage in John 10 um, that Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd, and then he's placed under shepherds to watch over the flock. Yeah. But then there's a text that says the wolves come in. And the hireling leaves when the when when the when the sheep are threatened, and uh, there was a season that I wanted to leave Coral Hill, and God brought me to that text and told me that I wasn't a hireling, but I was an under shepherd. And when when you're in it, when the church is in str- trouble, that's when it needs a shepherd. Yep. And God has blessed Burlington with a good shepherd. Yes. I really believe Indeed. that. Thank you. Yeah, Indeed. I really believe that. Indeed. You've been a blessing this week. Thank you. And let's invite our folks. I mean, if you're listening. Uh, if you get this after Tuesday night, Wednesday night, we'll yep. be here at six thirty. Wednesday and, night, uh, man, we're going to be Romans ten on. It's, I mean, Romans it's been, 10. and I'm not. Uh, it's been awesome. It's it been, been awesome. Been. I was laughing uh, at uh, somebody that I was talking to. This, you know, had a younger, younger kid. And they're like, man, he's energetic. I said, yeah, you're not used to that. That's how that's how yeah. we grew up. So, <laughs> you know, we had like, folks that said, what is a revival? And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's it's been it's been good. It's and been good. Yeah. has been good, and it's been a good spirit this week, brother. So thank you for joining us thank on uh, two yep. by two. And, yeah, it's uh, been awesome. Th- and thank four. you, for, thank you for yeah four by four. <laughs> and thank you, thank you for doing it. We appreciate it. And I know you wouldn't have no trouble. I'll just get just get you started. Well, yeah, just get you started. Well, I appreciate but, that so much. Yeah, and thank you for for all the wisdom and and uh, and the perspective. We we do appreciate that. So uh, I'm gonna praise out of here. All right, brother. Lord, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to get together with our new friend, with my new friend, and. And Harold's friend, and we just get to discuss your word, Lord. We just thank you so much for this book, and, and being able to look at it at different times, and just and just finding truth all of the time about about your your son Jesus and what he has done for us, and the message that we have for people, so that they can understand grace and, and salvation. Lord, just awesome. We just want to lift up those in our church. There's a lot going on. We have some we have some, those fighting COVID and those fighting cancer, and and uh, people awaiting. Um, some rehab and, and just all sorts of things going on. You know, each one of those, we ask you to come in there and give some healing and some comfort and, and in certain situations, some peace Lord. And, uh, and, uh, I'm pretty stingy. So I'll ask for just, uh, just heal all of that and, and heal our country. We'll be with those in Afghanistan. And, and as that's continually going on and, and just, uh, Haiti with the earthquake and all of the things that are going on, Lord, we just ask your blessing on all of it and, uh, help us here at Burlington Baptist. Just continue to do things that are glorifying you and glorifying the kingdom. It's in his name we pray. Amen. 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 Job, awesome. Thank you, brother. Thank you, buddy.